Hello, and welcome to the Leader Talks at Axiom podcast. This is a podcast designed to help all of us understand Axiom's leader expectations better. I'm Amy Elrod, and I look after talent development for Axiom, and I'm excited to be here with you today. In today's episode, we continue our focus on lead with business savvy, and we'll be taking a look at the VP and above competencies of business acumen and intellectual horsepower. If you've been listening to our episodes, you know that business acumen was covered in a previous episode, and that's because it also aligns with the director and senior director competencies. As a reminder, business acumen means that you understand Axiom's business. You understand our financial processes and the role that you play in them. You also understand our industry and our clients' industry so that you're working together with your client to get to good outcomes. Intellectual horsepower means that you exhibit expertise in the areas that you lead and that you should have the intellectual capacity to continue to learn and apply new concepts, to deal with complexity, and to use your learnings to improve outcomes for your stakeholders and your teams. We also expect that our VPs will be seen as thought leaders, not just at Axiom, but externally as well. We expect to see them speaking at conferences, writing blog posts, or otherwise sharing their expertise in the broader ecosystem that we work in. And who better to help us close out our focus on Lead with Business Savvy than our own Chief Financial Officer, Brett Madison. We're excited to have Brett here to share his thoughts on these competencies and how we can all grow in them. We hope you'll enjoy the discussion. Brett, welcome to the Leader Talks at Axiom podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you, Amy. I'm glad to be here. Happy to spend some time with you all. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, as always, we love to start out just hearing a little bit about you and about your career journey. So can you tell us just a little bit about your role today and what got you to where you are today? Sure. Yeah, I'm the Chief Financial Officer of Axiom, LLC. Uh, I've been here... Uh, almost 23 years now. Uh, started back in the 90s. Way back know, in the 90s. Way back in the 90s, the last <laughs> year of the 90s, 99. But, um, you know, I started entry-level financial analyst. Um, straight out of college, I worked at a small place in between college and in accident for like six months. Um, but have been here ever since and sort of, you know, over the years, worked my way around and through and up. Uh, I think I'm the only Axiom employee that moved from, relocated from Conway to California and then back from California to Conway. And then back. Yeah. Welcome back. We're glad you're back. Yeah. Uh, that was in two, I moved there in 2012, there, uh, San Francisco in 2012 and moved, helped do the library of acquisition, sort of set up the Bay Area office, uh, helped do the whole divisionalization of Axiom. And I moved back to Arkansas in 2016 to lead what was then a super secret project called North Shore uh, and then became High Garden, um, Project High Garden, uh, which was the separation and sale of what is now Axiom LLC to unknown entity at a time, but ended up being IPG, Interpublic Group. Got it. Well, again, we're, we're glad you came back to Arkansas and we're yeah. glad that you led us through that, uh, that acquisition. Yeah. Well, today, of course, we're talking about lead with business savvy. So let's just start out with why do you think this is such a critical expectation for our leaders? Yeah, well, every decision we make, we as leaders make on a day-to-day basis requires business savvy. 
Um, And that's not just, you know, financial acumen, that is a piece of it, but it's also like cause and effect, uh, implications of uh, what drove us to where we are and, you know, how we react and respond to it. Um, You know, competitors, what's going on outside the four walls of of this company, or even maybe more broadly defined as what are the things that we control and what are the things that we do not control, right? We control the decision we make and the, the impact to our associates or to our customers, uh, you know, you name it. What we don't control is the way people react to that, right? Uh, people's emotions, uh, competitors' responses, uh, general marketplace dynamics, you name it. And so just having awareness and thinking through the chess game, if you will, right? So like I would almost say business acumen is a chess game where you're trying to think multiple steps ahead of how you actually get, you know, to victory, whether that is, you know, complete decimation of the opponent or, you know, surrender of whoever it is or, you know, whatever decision you're trying to make. Good. Uh, I like that. The thought of the, the chess game and, and just really thinking that business savvy isn't just about numbers. It is about all of the things that, that help us make the right decisions and get to the right outcomes. Uh, but I do want to dig in. It's just- not about numbers at all. Yeah. <laughs> numbers are an output <laughs> as opposed to like the business decisions that you really make that drive those assumptions that create numbers that turn into outputs. Yeah. Well, let's dig in just a little bit on the numbers, though, if that's okay. So it's not all, it's almost not about numbers, as you just said, right. but let's Muffin dig me. in just a, a well, <laughs> I'm still kind of about numbers for you. Yeah. Let's dig in a little bit more on those numbers, though. So we, we have leaders out at Axiom. So obviously you do think about numbers all the time, but we do have other leaders out in the business that maybe they don't think about some of those financial acumen pieces as much as, as you do, or as perhaps we would want them to do. We had um, Dave Van Epps and Beth Ann Bigham on the, the podcast recently to talk about business acumen, financial acumen, got their thoughts, but would love to hear your ideas for leaders to continue to develop that piece of their business savvy. Yeah, sure. I mean, financial acumen, or you know, financial knowledge and awareness maybe is a better way to sort of bifurcate it from or separate it from business acumen. Right. right? Like, like right. business acumen is much broader than just your financial IQ, if you will, right? But awareness of financial impacts and decisions, those inputs, those outputs, all that kind of stuff is a, is a critical part of it. Like a sort of in that vein of of the financial piece of business acumen. And I would say, you know, on that, that point, just having a, a, an awareness of it is critical, right? Like, hey, there yeah. are financial implications to all these right. decisions we make and not just, you know, micro level, how does it affect me or my team or, you know, Sally or Joe, but the macro, right? Right. And, you know, and so it's, it's, it can be difficult to disassociate you know, that cognitive dissonance, if you will, of like, let me not think about these individuals and these people and, and what's going on here with this business decision, but like, what is the best thing for the whole of Axiom, right? That macro level, or even broader than that, IPG. What's the best decision for IPG, which may not be the best financial outcome for 
axiom, right? And yeah. so just, so that's like kind of the one level of financial awareness. The other level of financial awareness, I would say, is just like, what are the things that you don't know? You right. know, and, and how do you stay inquisitive to the things that you don't know to push yourself to try to learn those, right? So like, you know, we may get into this a little bit later on, but one of the, the areas that I always really challenge myself on and try not to get caught in the trap of is, uh, look, when I go to a town hall or I'm presenting to a large population or a group, like, let me dumb this thing down to the, to just this really like super, super basic points so that everybody can get it versus like, okay, well, like we're going to maybe challenge some people to, to try to understand some stuff or look at some things differently than they would normally. And for those that are inquisitive and want to know more, like maybe it starts to, to give them more things to chew on and they can go down that path and certainly asking questions and, and help educate themselves if that's something they want to do. If that's something that you're not interested in, like that's totally cool too. Right? That's fine. And you don't have to, <laughs> right. to sort of, you know, ask yourself more questions and drive. But I would say just, you know, maybe it's because of my background or, you know, what I'd spend every day doing. Um, it's really important to make sure that, that as leaders in particular, but even prospective leaders, if you have a desire, like, that over the course of your future and your career that you want to be in leadership ranks, you have got to understand how we axiom, or if you're with another company at some point in your future, like how they talk to their board, how they talk to right. their shareholders, how they uh, are measured and managed and the kind of conversations that go back and forth. It is of critical importance to understand that as soon as possible and like just kind of help build your financial vocabulary in that way. And every company does it differently, right? Yeah. yeah. I love the inquisitive. We've heard people say, stay curious, uh, you know, have curiosity. I also love that, just the thought of being inquisitive. Like if you don't know, or if you don't understand something that was talked about in a town hall, talk to your leader about it. If they don't know, they can probably connect you with somebody who does, but be, to ask the questions. If there are things that you're like, I wonder what Brett meant by that when he said it in the town hall, ask somebody and, and dig into that. Sure. And on that point, you know, maybe a plug for some of the training that we have coming up, but, you know, we are launching this financial acumen training right? Um, as a finance team that'll be available to, at some point this year, at some point in 2022, it's going to be available for, I think, everybody to take where we go through things like, these are the terms that we use and here's why we use them and, and how we use them, right? We do, there's a lot of shorthand, not just an axiom, yes. you know, acronyms and all that sort of stuff, but in finance in particular, there's a lot of shorthand and whatever to make sure that things fit in the cell, the cell width <laughs> that you got to deal with based on the numbers and, you know, how you, you make all that stuff kind of digestible and presentable when you have, you know, just a un, unimaginable amount of numbers and data you have to crawl through. Right, right. Yes. And we'll make sure that we publicize that, that financial acumen training that's coming out and make sure people have access to that. Um, okay, so now I want to dig in a little bit on this concept of intellectual horsepower. That's one of the competencies that we would ask our VPs and above to really be focusing on. So that that basically means that you have that expertise, you have that capacity continue to continue to learn and to apply those new concepts. So as we think about the future of Axiom, 
and our continued developing future as AKM, what are some things that you would recommend people spend their time on learning? Yeah, well, I'd say the, the first part would be go to the Axon website and read ah, through yeah. how we describe what we do for customers, mm -hmm. right? So, I, you know, in the, the Axon website changes, it evolves, it gets updated sure. regularly over time. Uh, but I would say like early on in my career at Axiom, I, I don't know if anybody told me to do it or they don't mind, I just don't recall. But like I went to the Axiom website and I spent a day and I read like everything on it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, like when we're sending these invoices out and it says this on it, like that means we're doing this for that customer. Yeah. And so, you know, over the course of time, then I'm in meetings with business people, right? For whatever reason, talking about stuff and like they're having conversations about whatever data transfers and this and that and the other. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I know. I know what that means. <laughs> I know what that means. And I know that we charge that customer this much money for that. All right. But why do we only charge this customer half of that for what seems, appears to be the same thing, right? So it just, it opens up a whole line of, awareness right which kind of gets you out of the day-to-day -day, what you spend your time on which is overwhelming and like not very few of us if any of us have extra time left in the work day just to like you know bebop around and and ask a lot of questions about other stuff that we're interested in however i i think it makes everybody more uh intelligent about what axiom does and that has absolute application to whatever your day-to-day -day job is. I don't care what your day, if you are writing check, cutting checks as an AP clerk for Axiom, if you are uh, out there writing code uh, for new products that we have yet to sell to the marketplace, like whatever it is, it just gives you so much knowledge about what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, and just starts to put those pieces together that I believe makes everybody far more uh, impactful in whatever their day-to-day -day job is, not just today, but 20 years into the future, right? Like I, I would not be where I am today if I didn't challenge myself uh, on my day-to-day -day basis when I didn't have time left over to try to figure out what all this stuff meant uh, yes. to sort of get to where, you know, I have arrived. And it's not about, about me. I mean, there's many other people that go, you know, rise up through the ranks of leadership at Axiom for very same, similar reasons, right? Yeah, and it's it's kind of like you were saying for uh, people who are interested in leadership, definitely need to be digging in, understanding the financial side. But also, if you if you have leadership on your long term goals, you have to have a very good understanding of not just like your area of the business at Axiom, but what does Axiom do for our clients. And I think that's a great suggestion right. to dig and into to the Axiom website for sure. And you know, and then from there, right, like it starts to branch out. Right. And sort of mm -hmm. you, then you're you it's a never ending journey to assimilate knowledge. Right. So now, OK, let's figure out what Axiom does. Great. What is about AKM? What are we doing together as AKM? Like mm -hmm. that's new and different since 2000, October 1st, 2018. Um, you know, what are IPG's broader plans for mm -hmm. Axiom and AKM together, independently, separately? Right. There's things that we do independent and separate that AKM or mm -hmm. you know, the K&M portion of AKM doesn't have really much to, to do with. There's things that we absolutely are tied at the hip on, right? That's that mm -hmm. service the broader IPG. So like 
there's sort of no end to the amount of information and knowledge. And, you know, it, it really starts with the, that desire to say like, man, there's more to know and I, I need to know it. Not because it's going to help me write code better or, or do whatever. It may, right? right? It may help you process invoices better than anybody who's ever processed invoices, you know, in the history of time. But it, it just, it just kind of helps you be aware and have that awareness so that you have all the, you as an individual, as an associate or as a leader, you kind of are preparing yourself for that right moment, right time kind of deal where most all of us have had in our career where it's like, you just kind of happen to be in that right place and you're in the room with the right people and you say the right thing. And somebody's like, all right, like he's on the radar or she's on the radar. Yep. And like, well, let's make sure that they, we bring them into the, the jet stream, if you will, right. That yep. accelerates your career and moves it forward. And that, you know, that can happen within the four walls axiom. That can happen outside the four walls axiom, you know, just whatever it may be situationally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point on the axiom website of people are like, well, I, well, I want to know more about Knesso or matter kind, or I want to know more about IPG. I think same thing applies. Go out, take a look at Knesso's website, go look at IPG's website, take a look at all of the different agencies. I think it just helps broaden that knowledge. It helps you if you're in a meeting and somebody says something about UM, you're like, oh, I know what UM is. That's one of IPG's other agencies and that this is what they do. So I think it's just seeking out that information. It doesn't have to be go to a, a long class session. It could be, of course, um, but it can be just get out there and do some research. Just be inquisitive. Go see what you can find. That is the public face of Axiom, our website. Yes. Right. Yes. We don't do TV advertising. We don't do all kinds of other stuff, you know, sort of promoting the brand in that way. Um, that is everything anyone ever needs to know about who Axiom is, what we do, how we do it, you know, what we believe in, all those sorts of things. They're right there on that website. So you said something just a minute ago about career could be something that happens at Axiom Career Development or could happen outside the walls of Axiom. So I want to kind of pull on that thread about outside the walls of Axiom, specifically around the fact that we ask our VPs to be thought leaders, not just here, but outside Axiom as well. So I wonder if you have any examples of where you have seen that done really well and where you see we have opportunity to do it better. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's always opportunities to do it better. Um, yeah. You know, I guess a confession on myself. I don't participate on social media. Uh, <laughs> Me neither, really. <laughs> I mean, I have a LinkedIn account. I probably haven't logged into it in six months or more. I don't. Right. You know, I, I, I don't do any of the so just sort of the social uh, entertainment ones, I guess. Um, so I don't know that I'm the best one to opine on how we can do things better. What I do think we, um, you know, always have room to improve with as it relates to like our presence in the industry and customers, um, you know, our, our IMDs and the sales organization, industry managing directors, just being that sort of subject matter experts, you know, I know they attend a lot of these industry conferences. Many times they have speaking engagements there. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that's not like super publicized or public. I mean, maybe Axum shares some some of that stuff on our social sites uh, where we have people that go to these conferences and have speaking engagements. But just, you know, making sure that that 
in the industry where we we play, which is you know not like some big broad based. Everybody in the world knows about it, and you know interacts and sort of crosses over like different industries or companies. You know we we kind of have a low profile. It's good to have a low profile. Um, the people that that need to know what we do, we need them to know about us and what we do, right? And so making sure we show up in the right places with the right people that can have those sort of impactful uh, moments there, like yeah. that that's big. I think outside of, of that, like in the real specific business context, you know, just sort of axiom folks showing up to be goodwill ambassadors of, you know, humanity in yeah. your day-to-day life and community, right? Like in whatever way that can, that can manifest, uh, whether you're volunteering for your local charity or church or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, we have some Axiom folks that sit on boards of different commu- mm-hmm. different uh, organizations, um, whether that be a not-for-profit or a, you know, charity or a, you know, actual business that has some, you know, adjacency to what Axiom does, just sort of getting the Axiom name and awareness uh, out to folks that may want to work here in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, we're kind of always recruiting, right? And we're not always <laughs> recruiting people that are currently in the workforce, right? Like we got to be thinking about people that will be going, coming into the workforce over the future, right? Like Axiom's been around for 50 plus years. We expect to be around for a lot longer than that. And so, you know, a lot of our future employees hadn't been born yet. And so let's be thinking about how we, how we get the name of Axiom out there to them. Yeah, that's good. And I think I think you make a great point that showing up in the community, not that we show up in the community just to market Axiom, but showing up in the community and letting the community know that Axiom cares about them, wants to, wants to invest in them. I think that's a great point. Also, I'll just mention from my own experience, I sit on the United Way board and I'm the Axiom representative for the United Way board. And it actually has helped me and my own financial acumen development because we have to go through and like review the budgets. And so I think it's also a way to help you develop your own career if you're willing to step up and do some things because you're going to do things that are a little bit different than you might do in your day-to-day job. You might be asked to to make a speech or you might be asked to review a budget and you don't do that in your day-to-day. So I think it's good for Axiom, but I think it's also good for people personally if they'll look for those opportunities. For sure. I, absolutely. I'm on the on the board at uh, CARTI, the mm-hmm. local cancer uh, hospital here in, in central Arkansas. And um, I mean, I learn new stuff all the time, every day. Right. Yeah. I learn new stuff about financials every time we meet. Right. Yeah. Not just the business itself, but like it's a different business who looks at financials in a different way. They're right. They're a not for profit. They're cost drivers are different than ours and their revenue drivers are much different. They have to deal with, uh, you know, the payer system in the insurance world and just like all that stuff, like it's all unique and different and new learnings come along with that. Right. And it's good because even though it feels like, well, they're, it's a different, they have different financials. There still could be something that you learn or glean from that, that might influence the way that you approach your work here. So I think it's good just exposing yourself to, um, to different opportunities like that. Yeah, sure. All right, Brett, I'm going to ask you to get real for just a minute and be, be a little bit vulnerable, which is hard for me to say. I'll just say. Yeah, yeah well, I'm never um, vulnerable. 
So okay, well, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get real here. We know that any strength that you take to the extreme can become a weakness. And one of the ways that this can show up for that intellectual horse, horsepower is if you are unable to relate to those who are less knowledgeable to, than you. So you're definitely one of the smartest people that I know, and you definitely know a ton about the, the financial workings of Axiom. So I'm curious to know, how do you kind of overcome the challenge of interacting with people that maybe don't have the knowledge of it or experience that you do? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I, you know, I guess it's, it's somewhat difficult um, to try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and just be like, well, what, you know, what do they know or not know, or how should we be approaching that? What I'd say the thing that I challenge myself on, and I don't get it right all the time, is just don't make assumptions mm. that somebody doesn't know something or has no interest in wanting to know it. Huh. Um, so like I, I try to always side on the, on, or fall on the side of put it out there and mm. like, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier, but put it out there. And if somebody is interested and is like, I don't know what that means. I'd like to know more, like give them the opportunity to, to learn more and, and know more and do more. And if somebody doesn't know it and they don't care and it's just like, whatever, you know, you know <laughs> but he's an idiot and like, I'll take that risk. Right. That, that, but as opposed to just sort of like saying like, this is how these are, these numbers are discussed or these financial concepts are talked about, or you're trying to, you're, you're talking about a business decision to me, but I don't think you're looking at the financial impacts, uh, micro, maybe you're looking at the financial impacts micro level, but like there's a macro concept here that you're missing out on. Um, and I'm a big fan of vigorous debate. Uh, like, I don't, I think we come to, we will all come to wrong or, or poor decisions if we sit in a room and all agree with one another, right? right. If there is right. no disagreement or, or challenges or pushing, right, which makes people uncomfortable and, you know, there's ways to do that appropriately and inappropriately, and, you know, I mess up a lot in that regard, but, you know, <laughs> just pushing and challenging yourself and others and all of like, are we, are we saying the right things? Are we doing the right th things? Are we looking at the right data to make the right decisions? So, you know, yeah, like you can't ever allow yourself to think that you are smarter or better than anybody else that you're speaking to or, or interacting with, but you should always challenge everybody to try to see you, what you're talking about and challenge yourself to see what they're talking about. Yeah, I think that's right. We can't assume that we're smarter or that we know more. You might actually know more about this specific thing that you're talking about, but I can guarantee they know more about something else than you do, right? So for sure. And I think a, a, a way to do that, and again, I'm not saying that I'd get it right even the majority of the time, but like sometimes I catch myself and feel like, you know, am I being preachy here to <laughs> like I don't want to I don't want to be preachy or like talking down to the group. <laughs> And so just like, if you can flip it over and just start asking questions. Yeah. Those yeah. are making declarative statements, right? Or making yeah. assumptions or, or whatever, but just asking questions. Sometimes you, that's a more powerful way to get your point across mm -hmm. um, and or figure out if you are incorrect. Right. Uh, rather than just sort of putting your foot in your mouth and screaming louder than everybody else. 
right. So if you're you get kind of stuck being preachy, um, you're not going to to have the opportunity opportunity to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. If you're just telling them this 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 and this, asking those questions, hear it from their perspective have a little bit of that empathy that we talk about a lot on this uh, podcast, then you are going to potentially learn more things and, and see things that you might not have seen otherwise. Right. I mean, there's no, I can't tell you how many times there's like been a debate or uh, whatever. And I'm sitting here like, I cannot believe the people in this room don't see what I see and the, the obviousness of it right there before us. And just by asking a few questions, you get to a point where it's like, okay, we're, we're talking about different things, right? right. Like they're talking about this other thing over here that I wasn't even thinking about, right? right? And I'm talking right. about this very specific thing that maybe is like presented right before us. And yes, they relate and they correlate and they're all interactive. But like, I was not even on that level of the stuff over here. Let me reset and think through like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, okay. Well, we are asking all of the guests in this series this question that um, we don't think that anyone would argue that we need to keep our skills up, whether that is financial or business or learning about what Axiom does, our, our skills and knowledge. So that makes perfect sense. But sometimes we find that things that are common sense are not always common practice because we let the day-to-day -day get in the way. So in your experience of learning about Axiom, learning about other companies, how do you recommend that we overcome some of the obstacles that get in the way of building that knowledge and building our skills? Yeah, well, I mean, that's hard. It's, it's hard because, especially in the time that we find ourselves in now where everyone's dealing with extreme levels of burnout and yes. uh, you're just, you know, there's a lot of external externalities, I guess, and all these factors that have nothing to do with Axiom or your, your sort of job right. day to day that are pressing in on, on us at all times. Um, but I, I, I would say, I don't think, I don't, I don't, wouldn't pretend that this is universal, but I have found in those moments where I do sort of pick up and try to learn something new or different, right? Sort of tying back to this inquisitiveness aspect. I mean, I'm talking, hadn't, maybe it has nothing to do with accent, right? Like I'm learning how to, to, you know, drive a boat, right? Or I'm learning how to uh, build a tree house, right? Which I have done over the last few years. Like just whatever that may be, just something that's like, okay, well, let me figure this concept out and like try to apply it and just like giving your mind a rest from what tends to consume you really like is is a recharging moment um you know and i'm i won't get preachy like i just talked about before <laughs> about my personal beliefs around all this stuff that i think you know are not doing us a lot of good as a civilization but um you know just that inquisitiveness of like let me take a minute and just figure out you know whatever like what is let me read the axiom you know solutions section today on the website just something that kind of breaks out you know what you're focused on what you're learning about and that you're intentionally learning about it as opposed to accidentally or you know haphazardly learning about it 
all those are, you know, good things, but like, there's just something about the intentionality of saying, I'm going to go learn something or I'm going to like expose myself to this thing that I didn't know anything about. And like, it, there is a recharging element to that. Um, I'm not saying it's a, you know, it's a miracle cure all, right. It's not, or snake oil or any of that other stuff, but it's, it is something that I have found in those moments where I'm just the most weary and downtrodden about whatever's going on that like picking up something like just like the most random thing. And I don't even know how it pops in my head, but just like just something pops in my head about, you know, like, I wonder if I could use a bandsaw to do a so-and-so or whatever. Like, let me go look that up. I don't even have a bandsaw, but like maybe (laughs) that's something that I could be interested in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it does recharge you. So whether you're learning about a bandsaw or you're learning about a new skill, I think it recharges you. I also have found this to be true for me. It's like, if I kind of get away from that day to day and go, maybe go to a class, go to a conference, go research something, it's sort of like my brain goes into a different mode and helps me be more creative, more innovative in my day-to-day. If I take that time to get out, go do something a little bit different, challenge me to think about something new, it actually helps me solve problems in that day-to-day. Okay. Well, thank you for your thoughts on business acumen, on intellectual horsepower. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and hear about you. So this is our lightning round. We're going to ask some questions just about you, just to to get to know you a little bit more. So what was your first paying job and what did you learn from it that you have applied to your career? Yeah, so my first job, I worked as a, as a, what was called a sample puller in a cotton warehouse in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, so Memphis big hub for all the cotton that's farmed in the mid south, and so it ends up getting, um, you know, picked and ginned, and then ends up uh, in these huge cotton warehouses, baled, right? So you, mm-hmm. you pack it into cotton bales, and then it ends up, you know, sitting in warehouses. And so the job I had was somebody in a different part of the warehouse would do what they said they pull a core, so they would send mm-hmm. this machine through the center of the bale cotton bale and it would pull a sample of the cotton right we would put those in the plastic sacks with the tag that identified the bale and then okay. put them in boxes on these huge racks I mean this warehouse was like enormous warehouse and it was just like floor to ceiling probably 50 to 60 foot tall ceilings floor to ceiling racks nonstop of boxes and numbers and whatever so that was one job and then so the potential buyers of that cotton would ask for samples before they bought the actual cotton. So it didn't matter if it was, um, we're buying the cotton to make pillowcases or we're buying the cotton for stuffing or we're buying the cotton for like whatever the use could be. There's different grades of cotton, you know, based off of the highest quality and, you know, where it's made and like just all all sorts of stuff that go into that and sort of how you like organize it or whatever. So like somebody somewhere with their magic would, determine like here are all the samples that one needs and they'll take that cotton and test it and say yeah this meets our quality needs therefore we'll buy the the bales or we'll buy the lots or we'll buy whatever or the whole warehouse in some cases and so we would get a list right and sometimes the list is like pull these five samples and sometimes the list is uh we got to pull fifty thousand samples oh. uh, 
you know, in, in, in some different periods of time, right? And so literally you're climbing these racks and like pulling a box out and, you know, once you get more experienced at it, you're literally just free climbing the racks and pulling a box out and like looking at the numbers and pulling them down. And there's a guy with a huge cart that's just like catching all these cotton samples that are falling from the roof and the ceiling as everybody's kind of scurrying along the, uh, the racks to pull them out. So, um, I guess my learning of that was a fun job. I made minimum wage, you know, whatever it was, it was, we had a good time. The, the thing I learned of that was, um, you know, enjoy the moments that you have of the downtime, right? Cause you're not always a million percent busy, you know, in the end, no breaks, no stops. Sometimes you actually do have moments where it's like, wow, my email is really light and I don't have any Zoom calls or I don't have to be here or do whatever. Like, take those moments, you know, whatever. Uh, some people, I guess, nowadays call them micro recoveries. Um, back then, we would just kind of sit in the break room and be like, well, you know, no samples came in. No sample requests came in today. So, like, we're just going to sit here and watch TV. Is right? Oh, oh, okay. Like, well, I'm going to get paid right. to watch TV today? Yeah. That okay, I'll do it. Because tomorrow we may actually have to pull a 20 hour shift, right? Which was, you know, and that's kind of how it worked. So it was like, just take those moments to rest and relax and enjoy your coworkers and your teammates or your family, if you're still working from home or whatever it may be, just like find those moments and, you know, have a little bit of a break and enjoy it. That was a great answer. I love what you learned from it. And also just a very fascinating first job. So thank you. In fact, every job I had until I graduated from college was in agriculture in some, some form or function of agriculture. Interesting. And you're working outside right now. So something about the agriculture being outside is good. <laughs> Turns out if you go back and look at my Berkman that I filled out in 1999, uh, outdoor interest is my highest scoring item that's on any of my scores that does not surprise me in the least <laughs> um, well based on the fact that you're working outside well okay if you had a time machine and you could go back to when you were first starting your career what would you tell yourself what advice would you give yourself mm. don't be an a-hole <laughs> great advice i think that's great advice yeah. Wherever we are in our career journey, that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, hey. look, it's 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 certainly it's it's good advice for anybody, but you know, in the moment, you don't think you're being one. Yeah. But as you mature and kind of see how you could have handled situations differently, it's like, okay, I'm like, goodness gracious, what are you what are you thinking? Oh, that's. And you don't good. really grow out of that, too. So, well, you just got to learn, right? Learn day and to day. yourself. Yeah, day to day. that's right. Speaking of advice, what is the best leadership advice that you have received and who gave you that advice? Yeah, you know, uh, that one is uh, probably a hard one for me. I had, I've had such good mentors mm -hmm. and I've had some mentors where I watched what they did and I said, I absolutely do not want to do anything like what yeah. they do and how they operate right yeah and so you know you kind of have those two those two worlds pushed in on you but um but i i think the best piece of advice i got that the one that like just really sticks with me is like you can choose who you want to work with 
right? There are people out there that are as skilled, if not more than the ones you're working with today. And if it's just, if it's just not working, if there's just, if it's just not happening or whatever, like cut bait and move to the next one, there's somebody else that's equally as good or if not better. And, you know, just don't, you don't have to keep clinging or, or bringing dead weight around with you. Right. Or you don't have to be in a situation where you're miserable, you know, so that you don't have, so you can choose. Okay. Good. Well, what surprises most people about you? Uh, well, I mean, there's probably a lot of things that surprise people about me. I think the, the most one, the most notable one, I guess, would be that I'm actually a really, really high introvert. Hmm. Um, it does surprise me about you. Yeah. Like I, I don't like, um, big social activities or, or all that kind of stuff. I can, I can make it work. It's almost like a, an act a little bit, I guess, right. Mm. To put stuff out there. It mm -hmm. exhausts me. Like I collapse yeah. at the end of days where I have to be social and public and, and, you know, kind of doing all the things and whatever, like I, yeah. I can make it happen, but it's forced. I have to force myself to do it. I'd be mm -hmm. more than happy to sit alone silently probably for the rest of my life um <laughs> but you know there's some downsides of that too that you have to push yourself out of yeah good all right are you a movie tv or book person and what is your current guilty pleasure mm. I'm, i'd say i'm probably actually a video game person Ah, okay. All right. That wasn't one of the choices. So thank you yes. for clarifying. What's your, yeah. what's your guilty pleasure? So I, I play a game called destiny. So if I'm, if I am not at work mm -hmm. and there's nothing going on, I'm playing video games. Okay. Uh, nowadays I play them with my kids. Right. Uh, <clears throat> before I had kids, I played them alone. Um, but, and you know, we have a, we have a no video game in the, in during the week, uh, school week rule here. So like, that goes for dad too. Only on the unfortunately, weekends. right? Only on the weekends. There's nothing going on. We don't, you know, whatever. Like we'll sit down and and you know crank on the video games. But I play a game called Destiny. Uh, it's been out for like seven years. It's a like an alien kind of first person shooter RPG blend, collecting stuff, whatever. So yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Well, you have had a stressful day. And you want to relax by either taking a walk or getting in your car and you're going to blast some music, even though you're a video game person. Uh, so you're going to blast some music. What are you going to be listening to? Yeah, but you know, my music tastes change. I say they change quite a bit, but I guess it's all still kind of got the same root. Like I started off classic rock and then in college, it was more like country and Western like mm. big time country and Western. I would not have guessed that. But also rap at the same time because of all the parties we would go to, right? And so <laughs> I had to learn, I, that's what I danced to and sort of you can make it happen. Um, nowadays, it's really more like alternative, uh, like alternative bluegrass, blues, country rock kind of stuff. So, you know, country, country infused rock or rock infused country. Uh, okay. are probably like always where my interest lies. So like right now I'm, you know, big on Chris Stapleton and mm -hmm. Sergio Simpson and the Eagles. Like that's kind of what I, the last three albums I've been playing are those. 
All right, good. I know you're kind of speaking Levi's language. He also loves yeah. the Power Childers is fantastic. Okay, good. All right, you have a week to do anything you want to do. What do you do? Well, it, uh, my, I would always spend time with my family. That's like sure. basically outside of video games, it's kind of the only hobby I got is hanging with the fam. If they're not here, if they're not sort of part of the equation, I would sit at this house alone, silently, and sort of choose to do little projects around the house on a day-to-day -day basis. Have no schedule, no pressures, yeah. do what you want to do. Maybe I'll blow the leaves one day, maybe I burn them the next. One of my favorite things to do is to blow leaves, burn them, and sit in a lawn chair with a six-pack of beer. Love that. <laughs> I only do that like once a year, but like that's, I look forward to that. Sounds very relaxing. Yes. Okay, fill in the blank. Besides family, which we know family would always be top of the list, besides family, I can't live without blank. Mm, PBR. <laughs> Blue River. <laughs> <laughs> that is my fave. Okay. All right. Good. Well, Brett, this was so much fun and you kept me cracked up during the lightning round. So thank you for your answers and thank you for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. We hope that you will come back and see us again sometime. Yeah, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me. And I hope, uh, I hope everybody enjoys it. And if you have any questions or follow-ups or whatever, like feel free to reach out. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed that conversation with Brett. I was not expecting him to say that one of his favorite pastimes is burning leaves. So that was a little surprising, but it was fun to hear. I think he had a lot of great suggestions for us. I liked that he didn't recommend that we all run out and get an MBA. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he said, hey, if you want to build your business acumen, go out to our website and see how we're talking about our business. Whatever role you're in, the more understanding you have about the value that we bring to our clients, the more effective you're going to be. I also liked that he encouraged us to be inquisitive. Ask those questions. If you're in a meeting and somebody says something, uses a word or a concept that you don't know about, don't be afraid to ask. If you don't feel comfortable asking in the meeting, just jot it down. Follow up with them later. Ask your leader or your mentor about it. That's going to help you continue to build not only your business acumen, but just your, your overall knowledge and acumen as well. And I really appreciated the advice that he gave us from his first job, which sounds like a very fascinating job, by the way, but that we all work really hard. So if you find a minute to catch your breath, take that minute and enjoy it. Yes, there's always work to do, but if the, the work is ebbing and flowing such that you have just a minute to take a break, to stand up, to take a breather, take that little bit of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, whatever is going on in your life, today is a great day to be a great leader. We'll talk to you again soon.